This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. And this hour, we're going to be talking about what is killing our families, and particularly the kids, and leading them to lead a less than lustful life, shall I say. They're not even dating these kids. Why is that? Also going to be talking about, uh, of course, we have to talk about Harvey Weinerstein. No, that's not his name. Weinstein. <laughs> Weinstein. <laughs> nice, nice one there. Nice one there, Marine. Weiner. Anyway, you know what? He's not the only one, but, you know, he's in Hollywood. And, of course, when a scandal like this hits Hollywood, of course, everybody is on it, including Saturday Night Live. And I was glad to see Saturday Night Live did a little bit on it last night. Uh, of course, it wasn't enough, in part because I fell asleep. I just waited up for the time when Saturday Night Live was actually, because they're liberals, right? You know, they're from Hollywood, and they're liberals, and there's all sorts of, this has been politicized uh, to the nth degree, in part because Harvey Weinstein was one of them. He contributed to a lot of uh, liberal candidates' campaigns, and um, and so, you know, it's, it, this, is, this is really a scandal about power and sex and money, and that's unhealthy power and way too much money and probably a fair bit of sex. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that, and uh, is sex addiction real? Because that is a very convenient excuse. Now, I know there are a lot of people who suffer with addiction, uh, but a lot of people view sex addiction as just one big bad excuse for bad behavior. And so I'm going to be exploring that a little bit and uh, other addictive uh, other issues around addiction. And also, what can you do if you experience this in the workplace? Most people are afraid to stand up. Most uh other people, the bystanders, are afraid to say anything or mention it or, or, or defend somebody that it is happening to. And, uh, and so it's time. We have to change that because people need to stand up. We have to stop making a god of money. That's one of the problems. Uh, people think that if they say anything, their careers will plummet. It's exactly the opposite. You know, when you stand up to these these sociopaths, these abusers, these losers, they actually back down so fast. It's unbelievable. But you have to have the confidence to know that. I am telling you. And so I'm going to give you some other tips as well. I could go on a, uh, I can go on all night long, quite frankly, on this subject. Um, also going to be talking about younger men and older women and uh, and also kind of tied in with because we like to tie things up here on the Sunday night sex show you put the kids to bed I trust um, we we um, also want to talk about you know ageism and women and how they feel about themselves and and this week in my office you're gonna think I'm I'm really mean but I told this woman to dye her hair <laughs> but with good reason with darn good reason she wasn't happy with it and it was associated with her, uh, she was married to somebody. She had a beautiful love story, a really lovely love story, I thought. They'd actually met when she was a young nurse. Okay, now I've got your interest. And she was actually quite beautiful. And she was a young nurse. And uh, she had this new surgeon came into the hospital to work. And I guess he was married and and she wasn't. But she always was attracted to him. And then they later... Um, got divorced, each of them. She went on to marry and have a few kids, and, and he did as well. 
And uh, they met later in life. And she said, you know, really, for 25 years, I'd, I've had a crush on, on him. And I'm going to tell him that. He was in the midst of a very nasty divorce. And, and I think he was actually, maybe he was actually over it. And she said to him, you know, I, I really like you. And, and he said to her at an office party, I'm flattered. And she was waiting for the butt. And then he kissed her. Anyway, talk about romance at the uh, office party. So... <laughs> It's getting really hot in here, huh? No. Uh, anyway, so they ended up getting married, but she's crazy about the guy. And um, he, she's got a very busy company. She has her own company. And, of course, he's a very busy surgeon. And uh, he's operating all the time. And so they're both incredibly busy. But she's lost her sexual desire. And so she actually told me about a time when, um, you know, not too long ago, when she would don the corset and get in his Corvette and call him from her phone and invite and initiate. Okay, guys, right? Yeah, that's your big complaint. Women never initiate, right? Like, you know, how often does a woman walk down your street with a long down coat on, nothing underneath it? I, a friend of mine did that once. I have no idea. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> So, you, you know, that's your big complaint. So she was doing this. So I said, what has changed from the corset and the Corvette to now? And one of the things was her hair had gone gray. And I said, well, you know, a lot of women let their hair go gray. You know, a lot of women go gray in their 20s or 30s or 40s. And I said, well, um, you know, are you happy with your hair? And, and she took it down. She had it all pulled up and like half of it was blonde and the other half of it was gray. And I said, dye your hair, you know. And I said, what's changed? And, you know, she had put on weight and she... um you know, her hair wasn't done, basically, she had, and, and she didn't like it. And, and some women, their gray hair looks amazing. Um, make sure that even in the at the end of my life, my hair is blonde, please. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> anyway, under no uncertain circumstances am I to go gray. Fortunately, I actually am not gray. But anyway, a lot of people go gray um, early. Nonetheless, she was not happy with her weight. She was not happy with her hair. And she was not happy with herself. And she her sexual desire had decreased and she was wanting to blame it on a whole host of other problems, but she was also depleted. She was exhausted. She was working so hard. Uh, she was started to order food out. This is a big health issue. And I said, you're going to have to watch the salt content in that. So that's going to gain weight. You're going to gain more weight. And, um, and then you're going to, um, ha you might have get hypertension. Your blood pressure may elevate. And she was in her late 50s. And so she's at risk of cardiovascular disease. She had the added weight. So she said, y you think I should dye my hair? I said, I think you should take some time to yourself. You should do some self-care and you should take some time. And you, you know, if you feel like, can you strut your stuff? I often ask women that question. Can you strut your stuff? And then I say, you know, define what that means for me, for you. What does strut your stuff mean for you? Anyway, so she just described it as, you know, being able to walk naked, you know, in front of her husband and, and, you know, prance around, dance around. And I said, you know, I added, I added the pumps and she's like, never, she couldn't do either one of those things. That's what she had done in the past. And, and so she said, well, you can weigh me and I'm interested in losing weight and I want to start on it because I often design uh, new ways of living for people to manage their culinary needs, shall we say. I, I stay as far away from the word diet as possible. So you have to change your whole life. You have to, you really have to make a transformation. And so this is, this is really not about just eating the cupcakes or eating the dessert or the goldfish crackers or the Oreo, you know, it's no more. It's a mindset and you have your set you actually have your set meal plans, and that's just the way you 
you eat. It's just the same way that you brush your hair or you uh, have a bedtime routine or whatever shower sex or whatever, whatever you do, you stick to the same plan. So that's the same thing. So she didn't want to have the number. She didn't want me to, she wanted me to weigh her, but she didn't want me to tell her the number. And many women, and I said, you know what? The number's just a number. That's it. But it's fine. I'll weigh you and we'll do a percentage and, you know, on your trending downward. Um, And she was having surgery coming up in a couple of months and it was advised that she lose weight as well. So that was the thing. And, you know, this not feeling good about herself, getting older, led her to uh, low sexual desire with a man that she adored. She loved him. And, and when she described him to me, I asked her to talk to me about how she felt about him. And she just she really had a she had a, a comfortable love for him. She had a commitment, a committed type of love for him. And she never meant, mentioned sexual desire or attraction. And that's concerning. And so she has to get it back. And so one way for her anyway, it's not for everybody. Some people, you know, if you are, whatever your body is, if you are comfortable with it, that is the body that you need to have. If you are uh, many, uh, I am not saying that you have to be thin to be beautiful or look young. I had another one in my clinical practice and she just, she was like 72 years old. And I said, okay, sister, what's your, you look so much younger than that. What is your remedy? What do you do here? How, you know, help us out, help a sister out. And she said, um, it's sex. I said, okay, you're singing my song. And then she said, um, with younger men. I'm like, oh, okay. How much younger? Well, 22 years at one point, 15 years at another point, and 17 years at another point. So I'm going to be talking about the new phenomenon, the whip, not what you're thinking, the whip, the woman, the high-powered, influential, intellectual, and powerful woman with the younger guy. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that when I return. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're talking about older women, younger men. One reason is because I had a woman in my clinical practice, not the first one, but a lot of women go for younger men. And um, that's but a lot of people look askance at that. Matt, what do you think of older women, younger men? Well, in my experience, um, I would have to say that older women are pretty amazing. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's a good. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I guess I could get personal with it. But yeah, my girlfriend is 10 years older than, than myself. And that's never been a problem with us. So, was it an issue at all? It, it, it was just about the tra- the attraction, right? You're attracted to her. The, did the age come in? Did you even know she was older? Uh, well, I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I knew that or not. But the funny thing is, is that on our first when I when I asked her to be my girlfriend, mm-hmm. I, I, she said yes. But then she asked me, "So, how old are you?" Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh, "I'm blah blah blah." However old I was at that time, and but it was totally cool. So. Yeah, and so was it? Did you find more clarity with her, more substance, more of a relaxed attitude about life, or those kinds of the some of the things, some some experience, some yeah, like um, it, yeah, life experience, um, just being I don't know. It's 
Yeah, exactly. I think that just exactly just what you said there. Yeah, a little self-possession perhaps. Yeah. Yes, comfortable in her own skin. Yeah, it was, it was very refreshing. If you will. Mm-hmm. Very refreshing. And, yeah. you know, sometimes younger women can be too focused on starting families or just trying to land somebody. And, mm-hmm. you know, the intimacy can be greater between uh, an older woman and a younger man. I, I had a patient one time. She said it was the best sex she'd ever had. She felt terribly guilty about it, terribly horrible. She was 65 and he was 40. And so that was, that's a wide span. But I said, it doesn't matter as long as you're attracted to one or one another. That's it. Yeah. If you like each other, hey, that's uh, sometimes it's hard for people to like each other, right? So it certainly <laughs> is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you got to remember, um, you know, and sometimes people love their cell phones more than they love their partners as well, because they can they can become addicted, addicted there. Well, thank you so much. Um, Brigitte Macron, the uh, wife of President Macron of France uh, came out this week and she said that she brings her wrinkles to breakfast and he brings his muscles, which is quite a nice little combination because a lot of people, including the fine Trump, President Trump, <coughs> uh, said, uh, cough, cough. Um, anyway, uh, he's, he actually commented on, wow, you actually look amazing for your age. You know, pe- people never say that to men, right? They I mean, do they say that straight to them? I mean, they really don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I look amazing. I, I, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to say when I arrived at the studio tonight. Wow, Matt, you look amazing for your age. Thank you. <laughs> never, but they say that to women all the time. So you know, this is something that this is this is has also something to do with finding the right person, finding that person that you are attracted to, that you want to spend time with, that you want to be sensual with and, and sexual with. This has uh, this is just a natural chemical attraction. Some people are just naturally attracted to, some men are just naturally attracted to older women. Some women are just naturally attracted to younger men. Maybe it's their, their playfulness, their vivaciousness, their, their vitality, their, their love for life. Um, you know, maybe it's their, you know, good looks. It could be that. But often um, younger men can be a little bit more open and upbeat. Um, and so this is something that I don't think we can actually rule out or judge people for um, wanting to be with whomever they want to be with. I think it's um, it's very important. Unless, of course, they want to be with somebody because they are wielding unhealthy power over somebody. And then when it is found out that they have uh, sexually harassed or sexually assaulted uh, somebody that actually is in a lower position of, of power, perhaps. Maybe it's an actress in Hollywood. Maybe it is an executive assistant at a startup company. Uh, maybe it is um, just... You know somebody at the the Safeway till and the uh, the big the big boss because we know that more men are in positions of power. There are more CEOs. But what happens when it's uh, it, what's in what when it's Hollywood? Uh, there is, and then all of a sudden, it it seems that in those cases, and the jury is out, quite frankly, on on this. But in those cases, it can be a fine excuse, and certainly every PR person's go to would be, this is a sex addiction. This poor guy has a mental and emotional issue. Um, Even though there is considerable stigma around mental health, this is the go-to. 
So we're going to feel sorry for this guy. He's going into therapy. He's going into rehab. He can't stop thinking about sex and sexual fantasies. And he, and what about the abusing of women? And what about the uh, power over women? And what about the manipulation of women and the scare tactics and the manipulation tactics and, tactics and the threat that people will lose their job if they don't kowtow to whatever demands this any particular person who is in a power position uh, does. So is sex addiction real? And I'm often asked that question. Um, let's, let's be clear here. Being a crass, offensive, misogynistic lech is by no means a medical condition or sex addiction. Sexually assaulting women is not a mental illness, although... Um, and, you know, because you, one is, has mental illness, that does not mean they are dangerous. Sex addiction is not a medical diagnosis. It is not in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. So it's not recognized by psychiatrists as a medical condition. Yet, the urban myth, if you will, is that sex addiction exists. I see patients who have what they have termed or what they feel is a sex addiction. They don't act like Harvey Weinstein. They have more of anxiety. They have more intrusive thoughts. They have obsessive compulsive behaviors, and it's related to sex or sexuality. They chase the thrill. They need the excitement. And the behavior is bad. Yes, the behavior is bad. And some people feel that addiction and all addiction is just simply bad behavior. And what people need to do is to, in fact, grow up because the, some people believe that the entire idea of addiction as a disease, and, and quite frankly, I see a lot of people in my work who have sex addiction, uh, who, have, who have addiction, and some people with sex addiction, who have addiction. I've seen many, many people with addiction, um, and I do see how sick they are. But this is a highly contentious idea that there is that addiction is a disease within medicine. So not everybody agrees, and certainly not everybody in the medical community agree that addiction is a disease. But the idea took you know, took hold here in, in North America. Um, but, you know, that this addiction is a disease. But um, some might argue that the use of substances was voluntary to start with, that they don't believe that, they, you know, the um, brain receptors uh, actually, you know, uh, were flicked on, that a switch was flicked on in their brain, meaning that they could no longer stop. And you got to wonder, because some people are able to stop, especially when they go through 12-step programs, which actually teach them how to behave and get themselves out of that selfish, narcissistic thought. So um, when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about what you can do if you are sexually harassed in the office or workplace bullied. I'm also going to read your emails, and we're going to be talking to a comedian who's got a live sex show, and he's taking it across Canada. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here. We're in the final strokes of the program. Lots to talk about sexual harassment, sexual abuse in the workplace, workplace bullying too. It's all related, but people don't know what to do, quite frankly. So I have a, a number of steps to help you to uh, resolve this, get through this, heal from this. Uh, you have to be proactive. And I am speaking to everybody who witnesses any type of sexual harassment, discrimination, sexual abuse. you got to stand up. you got to say something. You will be be rewarded by the karma gods, I promise you. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, uh, if you are a target of sexual harassment or workplace bullying, but in particular this type of sexual harassment, quid pro quo type of sexual harassment. It's a particular type. It's not as common as as other types, but it is called quid pro quo sexual harassment. And you want to document any of this. Quid pro quo sexual harassment is when you're offered a job, a promotion, or special favors if you submit to your harasser. Or so submit uh, sexually to your harasser if that's what they're asking for. Or if you're threatened that you'll be demoted, fired, or disciplined if you don't. So any offers or threats that are being made, write down the date, the time, the place, and any witnesses. That will certainly help those bystanders to come forward. And don't worry if there are no witnesses. Harassers are usually too smart to do it in front of others anyway. Uh, You want to document any comments and different treatment that you receive. So the other type of sexual harassment called hostile environment is much more common than quid pro quo. Hostile environment is where you're being harassed due to your gender. It could be comments about how you look, how your gender is inferior. They can be sexual comments or treating people of your gender differently than the opposite sex. So you want to definitely document any and all of those comments. Keep your And you know what? I would not document on a, them on a computer. I would write them down in a notebook and keep them in a safe place. So definitely keep those in a safe place. And uh, your work computer can be stolen, lost, or hacked. So that's why I don't want you to put it it on your computer, just write the old-fashioned way. Write it down in a notebook. Put it in a very safe place in your home, in your in your briefcase or whatever. Just go home, write it down, put it under your bed. Gather your evidence. So if your harasser is texting, emailing, sending cards or notes, keep the copies. Don't ever delete any texts, okay? I don't delete any of them. I keep them all. <laughs> um, you might delete mine, but I don't delete yours because you never know when you're going to need them and you can go back and use them as uh as a reference, if you will, or if you need them in court. You want to report the harassment at work. And the the Supreme Court actually says that reporting sexual harassment is a requirement before you can before you can sue. So you need to give the employer a chance. And you know that's in any situation. Always ask the person to stop what they're doing. They often will stop. Uh, so make sure you follow a company sexual harassment policy if there is one. So definitely report this in writing. If you've only reported it verbally, follow up in writing and just write something. This will confirm our conversation as of June 15th, 2014, in which I reported sexual harassment by my supervisor. Or you can even, if you're not comfortable saying sexual harassment, say the behaviors that the person did. I reported the following instances of sexual harassment to you and then list them. And Asked for them, ask for them to take prompt action to investigate it. You also want to file a complaint with the BC Human Rights Tribunal if you're in British Columbia or if you're your own jurisdiction, wherever you are. And you only have a six-month statute of limitations here in British Columbia. So that is why it's important for you to be well, maintain self-care, be healthy. You have your health, you have your wealth. If you notice this right away, you know, 
start to do something about it right away. And oftentimes the only thing you can do is to leave a job. And that's often the best advice that I can give. But definitely, if this has happened to you, you've had you've had constructive dismissal, you've been wrongfully dismissed, find a good lawyer. And you want to contact an employment lawyer. We have plenty of them in the city. Uh, we have one actually here on uh, CKNW who does a great job. I've actually referred clients to him, uh, to that law firm. Uh, so... Um, Anyway, so you want to find a good lawyer and, um, and, you know, as I said, you know, leave. You know, that's the best thing to do. There will be other opportunities for you. You will learn from it. You, it is never worth the, the sale of your soul or, or your health, whether it be mental or physical health. And many people can actually get emotionally or physically ill. As a result, they may get, um, anxiety, heart palpitations, skin stinging. They might have this sort of nervousness all the time, unable to sleep, unable to eat, lose weight, lose hair. So a lot of these things occur, and mostly this occurs to women. So I'm talking to you guys out there. You see this, you put an end to it, okay? You got me? I mean this. Don't be a complete wuss and not stand up. Because, you know, so many men do not stand up, have never stood up, knew about it, did nothing about it because that old boys network is alive and well. Mind you, in Hollywood, a lot of women didn't do anything about it either. It's very difficult. I understand people think they're going to lose their jobs. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to get involved. You know what? Basically, you don't want to help another human being. And there's nothing I disrespect more than other people who don't want to help each other. And in this case, you would do such amazing work if you did that. So we're going to move on to uh, penis loss prevention. Okay, that's a convenient subject for those guys that don't stand up uh, to when they see this happening in the workplace. Uh, perfectly, a perfect segue into our next subject. Um, we're talking to Ryan Levis. He is a stand-up comedian. He is taking a show about your penis across this country. Hello, Ryan. Hi there. Nice, uh, nice intro. Perfect timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. A big part of, if I can say the title myself. I don't know. Hang on a second. Let me check. I don't think okay. so. Fair uh, okay, we can say this. D law. Just to be on the, just to be on the safe side. We want to. We always want not. I uh, want to maintain decorum here <laughs> on the sex yeah. show. D loss prevention. Do you guys yeah. understand that? Are you using your listening sense? Your D. <laughs> D loss. Yeah, your member. D or your medium D or your little D it's, or just whatever you know, D you've got. For wusses, I was just ta- that I was just talking about. They're little D's. Okay. <laughs> I made 24 cupcakes today. I made 24 cupcakes today for a friend. It was her birthday, and I put D for dolphin on all of the cups, and I wanted the D to look like a dolphin. Anyway, but anyway, I digress. So your dolphin loss prevention. Yeah, the... The, the speaking out is basically what the the national tour is about. Uh, the work with uh, the publication, uh, make sure your D doesn't fall off before you die drunk and alone. The book is about speaking out about masculinity and mental health and, and finding emotional communication for, uh, for men in a way that they get it. Uh, because sexual harassment has an extremely negative impact in our in our lives, and I, I see this this wave of of more disclosures as particularly beautiful, and uh, also a, provides a real urgency to talk to men about their behavior. And so, the urgency of D loss prevention uh, has never been higher. And so, uh, it's this 
combination of tragedy and comedy that I try to walk a razor wire on. And, and talking to men is the whole point. And it, it, unfortunately, it's becoming extremely urgent that we start including masculinity in our feminist dialogue. So Because it's, it's, it's changed. Being a man has changed. And I want to say there are so many great men out there, but you know, there's a paucity of men who actually stand up and put an end to this type of behavior when they see it. Or if a woman reports it to them, they kind of say, well, you know, maybe it was just, you know, being locker room talk. Um, you know, so there are great guys out there, but you want to be greater. You stand up and defend somebody that is being uh, sexually harassed or is involved in domestic violence. We, we yeah. remain silent there as well and you there's a whole lot of complacency in men and we say there's also like not like hashtag not all men like you know there's so much complacency when you talk about sexual violence and sexual harassment and so so the complacency the not speaking out is is actually permitting the the violence to continue and so when we go oh you know like not all men are like that well a lot of men are really cowardly at actually calling the thing out they, absolutely, absolutely. I, I had an experience myself, and uh, there was a, it was I was forcibly confined in an office where there was a glass door and a glass window, and it wasn't just men, it, but it was men and women, and they were PhDs, MBAs, lawyers, and they walked around like stand-up dolls, and not one person helped me as I was cowering on the floor, literally crying, screaming, and uh-huh. as this guy was screaming over me, and and I'd endured eight weeks of abuse, of which I've documented, and I'm considering publishing. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. read a piece of it. It every week on future sex shows. Uh, I, I, but I'm. is really important. Like, that's kind of how we empower our voice. And so when we look at, like, the empowered voice, it, men's voices, women's voices, in the terms of what our boundaries are and what our needs are and how we get those things met using documentation, using the internet, using peer circles, however, we can empower our voices to feel that we can achieve catharsis in these traumas is such a huge point and so yeah yeah and documentation is a huge part of that and it's so cathartic when you when you get up on stage and you or on any stage if life is a stage and you say no i'm not going to put up with this that's an incredible moment and so and i get it as well when i do my talks to men when you say sort of things like you know don't impregnate people accidentally the importance of condoms is so relevant like it feels very good to use your voice to improve the lives of yourself and others. And like this does impact, like if I could boil it right down, like being an ally to women and being an ally to transgender people and being an ally to the LGBT community does increase our, our like acceptance inside of our society, which makes us more lovable. Uh, acceptance of ourselves. I think that's what the problem is. People are always putting other people down because they want to feel better. It's very common that these sexual abusers, sexual harassers, they have a darkness and they want your light for their darkness. So Ryan, tell me, tell me about your, um, your show, your D loss prevention shows that you're going across Canada. You lucky stiff, (laughs) pun intended. Bring me with you. (laughs) And I I have a beautiful muse who believes in me. Fantastic. Uh, so I cannot, I cannot tell you how... Well, I just want to get up and do some stand-up comedy, that's all. <laughs> I can't wait to show you the show, Maureen. Uh, and and I can't wait a, to see it. And that's a huge point of it. Like, you know, having love in our lives and being touched and being cuddled and caressed in our vulnerabilities and expressing those things. Like, aside from the show, being loved and loving oneself and letting love in is just 
so great. And, and part of that is also looking at the pain and looking at the recovery and like saying, you know, I need help right now. And where are you delivering um, this show? How many cities are you going across? Uh, going across Canada? Yeah, it's pretty much every major city. It's 30 shows in the next 50 days. And the website is? Halifax, uh, RyanLevis.ca. R-Y-A-N-L-E-V-I-S dot C-A. Yeah. That's and where people... all the books and the shows and stuff like that. It's all about talking about masculinity in a way that men can get it in a sort of like a safe space, right? Like it's stand-up comedy about sex and the B. Should be mandatory for all men. Thank you so much, Ryan. Good luck with the show. Break a Thanks leg. So much. Until next time. You're welcome. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I have so much I want to cover and so little time left. We are literally in uh, the final strokes of the program. Uh, you know, what about the families that we're raising? What about the kids we're raising? What about our communication? How is it that you speak to your, your partner, your wife, their mother, your partner, their your husband, their father? How well, You've got to take a look at yourself. I often have to say to patients in my clinical practice, you know, you need to walk away if the conversation gets too heated or you need to uh, make a rule that you are not going to yell at your children anymore um, because this can actually lead to children feeling sad and hopeless and, and insecure. Um, and so we are not doing the best job on raising our uh, children, and these days, in we have an, a 50% increase in clinical-level depression in children between uh, the years 2011 and 2015. This is some research that has been done by Dr. Jean Twang. She's author of iGen, and her interview is of grave concern um, because she started doing research 25 years ago on generational differences, and when 2011-2012 hit, she saw something that would be frightening and should frighten everybody. And this is the year when those having iPhones went over the 50% mark. And this is the time when kids started to feel sad, hopeless, useless. They felt left out and lonely. There was that increase in clinical depression that I mentioned, a substantial increase in the death by suicide rate. And there's also some of the things that are contributing Uh, These are the things, the smartphones are contributing to this teenage mental health crisis. They're feeling lonely. Kids aren't dating. They're less likely to get enough sleep. You have to be the parents. You have to know what's happening with your children. You have to take the phone away. You have to make some rules around the dinner table and around the bedrooms, and they are not allowed to take those in. Children today are being deprived of the fundamentals of a healthy childhood, which is emotionally available parents. As I was driving here tonight, I saw a man pushing a baby stroller with a young baby in it and he was walking a dog and the entire time as I sat in traffic he walked along on his smartphone big smiles on his face texting back and forth I could see I had to say I had to question that I wondered what who exactly he was texting with uh, we need to give kids clearly defined limits and guidance and responsibilities. They need to help out. They need to make their beds, empty the dishwasher, set the table, and they actually have to get outdoors. They need to engage in creative play, social interaction. We cannot have digitally distracted parents, indulgent parents who let kids rule the world, or we, you will end up with an entire Brady Bunch of Harvey Weinsteins, okay, if you do that. These entitled kids, there's nothing more off-putting than entitled children rather than responsible children. I cannot tell you how often I get 
um, uh, from at work, people will say, you're so responsive. You're actually, for a creative person, you actually, you know, I know you're going to turn up and you're going to, you're not going to be hung over and lost your makeup, you know, this type of thing. And I just think that's just normal. That's just regular. That's what we should be teaching our children. Children are getting inadequate sleep and unbalanced nutrition. All of this is from her research. And so you don't want to promote a sedentary indoor lifestyle. You don't want to have endless stimulation, technological babysitters or instant gratification. Kids need to learn how to reflect, sit back, be bored, and and see that their parents are getting along well, that they are civil, and that they are kind to one another. It goes a long way. Believe me, your children are watching. I have a couple of emails that I want to read. Um, before I remind you that if you do have any medical conditions, you can certainly come to the... Um, uh, North Vancouver Women's Clinic, especially if you have GSM, uh, we do have that uh, laser hormone-free laser treatment for your vaginal dryness, vaginal itching, burning, recurrent urinary tract infections, leakage of urine. Um, so I had a little exchange with uh, a fellow on LinkedIn today, and he he just basically said, you know, really enjoyed your TEDx um, talk, which is the no sex marriage, masturbation, cheating, loneliness, and shame. And he said it was filled with facts that everyone can relate to. And I sent the link to my girlfriend. I hope she listens. And I said, I hope for your sake that she listens as well and, and hers. And uh, so thanks for watching. So then he came back and he said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I must admit, and I talked a lot about in that TED talk, I, if you haven't seen it, just go to YouTube, no sex marriage. I talked about older people having sex. And he said, he, this guy's in healthcare. He said, I couldn't imagine that seniors older than 65 or still craving sex. I work with an in-home health and companionship company and couldn't imagine that, though from time to time an elderly resident may say something fresh. I just write it off as an expression of endearment. Now I have to rethink that. And I said to him, they're doing something even fresher. Along with their member, or their D, STI incident rates are on the rise in this demographic. Chlamydia rates for those over the age of 65 rose by 31% according to the CDC last year. And syphilis, yes, it's still around by a whopping 52%. We have older men taking Viagra today and postmenopausal women using Mona Lisa Touch vaginal uh, laser therapy to increase their arousal, decrease pain, and allow for more exciting and better orgasms, especially if they use the womanizer along with that. Um, this ad- adds up to a lot of unprotected sex. And dare I say, with all due respect, seniors might be craving sex more than your own girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, glad you're rethinking this whole thing. And you should be rethinking it as well. He said he'd been on, he'd been going out with this woman for 25 years or been they actually lived together the child is 20 years old in grad in in university and um and so they are have not had sex for such a long time which is so sad i have somebody else who wrote in i'm probably gonna have to wait till next week but um this is a double trouble this this fellow um, has been in two sexless marriages. You know, some therapists talk about infidelity, which is a big risk of a sexless marriage, but they never talk about the sexless marriage. Sex in a relationship is important. Sex is the barometer of the state of affairs in a marriage. Keep that in mind. It is very important. I want to tell you about an event that we are having. Oh, I want to tell you about the womanizer first because I did have a patient in my office this week and she said she was she every Sunday night she wants to call in and say to all of you women out there, get the womanizer. It is the best thing. It is worth every penny. This particular woman is going through some difficult and challenging times in her marriage. She and her <clears throat> husband are not having sex. And uh, she said that, you know, the womanizer is therapeutic. It's very helpful. And it 
It can help you to relax and to sleep. Some women will wake up and not be able to sleep after an orgasm. Poor you. I'm sorry. I can't help everybody. But um, but for the most part, the womanizer is extremely beneficial. And, and she wanted me to convey that message. So we have an event. Hot Flash in the City is happening in Port Moody at the Inlet Theater on, on November 1st. Hopefully to see you there. Matt, I want to say thank you so much for your technical support tonight, always. Hey, thank you very much, Marie. And a pleasure as always. Oh, that's great. And thanks for your contribution to the show as well. You can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You know what? You can buy my book. I didn't even realize this. A lot of people have. You can go to amazon.ca or you can just email me. It's on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you've been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.